0: Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. It is always so good to be together, and it's particularly nice for me to be back together with you after being away for three months. So I thank you for your thoughts and your prayers and your encouragement during that time I had Um, A great three months of rest and connecting with God, and it is so good to be back together. It was so exciting a few weeks ago to be here for the first time and see you all again, and yeah, I I love being back with you. So this morning we are talking about wisdom. Um, I'm not sure about you, but when I was a child, I thought that adults knew everything, (laughs) When I had a problem, I would go to my parents, who always seemed to know exactly what to do or say. From my perspective, there wasn't a problem too big for them to solve. I'm I'm sure that I'm not the only one here who assumed that when I grew up, I'd also somehow obtain this ability to know exactly what needs to happen in all areas of life, and that I'd have everything under control in any given situation, but at some point, you look around and realize that you are an adult, and you don't necessarily have this all under control. We're all just doing our best to deal with every new thing as it comes along. Um, Maybe this wasn't the right Sunday to have kids in the service, right? Letting them know the secret that maybe we don't know everything, Um, There's a meme, an image that circulates on the internet a few times a year that captures this sentiment so well, so you can't really see the the very top or bottom of it, but it says that horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult and realize that you are an adult. So you look for an older adult, someone successfully adulting, an adultier adult, (laughs) Yeah, the laughter lets me know that maybe I'm not alone in relating to this sentiment. (laughs) A few years ago, I took a group of our teens on a canoe trip, and it was great. I absolutely love... Who here's been on a canoe trip before? Anyone? Yes, I see some hands. So I absolutely love it, being on some island in the middle of nowhere, having gotten there through our own physical strength, cooking over a fire, sleeping under the stars, Enjoying God's beautiful creation. Seriously, I love everything about it. Um, And we were all sitting around a fire one afternoon when maybe some of you were here on this canoe trip, um, when one of the teens said, Oh, look, there's a bear over there. I thought he was making some weird joke that wasn't really funny. Um, But then I looked over to the trees, and sure enough, a bear was emerging. And no joke, it was like from me to that music stand away. (laughs) And right away, all of the youth ran and crammed behind me. (laughs) And I remember thinking, wait, what? Why am I the one who has to deal with this? What do they think I can do? It's a bear. (laughs) Um... Thankfully, that moment didn't last too long before I got the bear horn out and successfully scared the bear off of our island, but that moment of being in a precarious situation and realizing that I am the adult here, I'm the one who has to do something about this, definitely stands out to me. The truth is, there is no magical handbook for how to be a successful adult, We're all just doing our best to make good decisions and deal with things as they come along. Researchers from Cornell University found that adults make an estimated (laughs) 226.7 decisions each day just on food alone. What we eat, when we're going to eat it, how we're going to cook it, what groceries we'll buy. 226.7 decisions a day. And it's estimated that the average adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions a day. Think about that. That is a huge number, 35,000 decisions a day. Do you believe that or not? (laughs) And Just like that, another decision was made. (laughs) So from the moment we wake up, we are making decisions. Will I get out of bed or press snooze? What will I wear today? What will I eat for breakfast? How warm of a jacket do I need? Every decision we make, whether big or small, has consequences, either good or bad. Obviously, some decisions are greater than others and have a bigger impact on us. How do I respond to that hurtful thing my husband or wife did the other day? Do I even still want to be in this marriage? How do I help my child who's struggling? How can I bring peace to the conflict and dysfunction in my family? How do I deal with that bill I can't pay and the 10 more that are just around the corner? How do I handle that stressful situation at work? There are definitely times, aren't there, when it would be a comfort to just find an adult and let them solve all of our problems. But then we look around and realize that we are the adults, and it's our responsibility to figure this out. Anyone here feel like they could use some wisdom this morning? Well, I've got some great news. There may not be a more adulty adult for us to turn to, but scripture has a lot to say about wisdom. Thank you, Rob and Sarah, for reading that passage this morning. Scripture explains to us what wisdom is, who can give it to us, and how we get it. We've been in the book of James for quite a while now, and we've made it out of chapter one after many weeks in chapter one, but today we're going to pop back to chapter one to see what James has to say to us there about wisdom. So James chapter one, verses five to eight, says, if any of you lacks wisdom— James tells us that if we lack wisdom, if we need it, we should ask. (laughs) As much as we joke about not wanting to adult or wish that someone else could make all of our hard choices for us, the truth is that we're not great at asking for help. Everything in our culture tells us that we need to have our lives figured out. And if we don't, then we at least need to put on a smile and pretend like we do. Our culture values self-sufficiency, and we take pride in being self-made people, on top of which we are so quick to judge weakness and love to gossip about the failures and mistakes of others. Um, Has anyone here heard of the term schadenfreude? Um, It's a German word that translates harm joy and describes the sensation of feeling joy at another person's misfortune. Most people would probably deny it, but at one point or another, everyone has felt a bit of joy at the pain or failure of another person. A coworker you have a hard time working with who missed a big deadline. A super frustrating and annoying neighbor's shingles coming off in a windstorm. A know-it-all classmate tripping up the steps. When we're at our best, we most likely would never admit to feeling joy when others go through hard things, but I'm sure... You all know what I'm talking about with this. We see a weakness in others, and it somehow validates our own self and the life that we live. It's part of our broken human nature, but it results in us putting up whatever front we can in order to make sure that no one sees the weakness in us, lest we find ourselves on the wrong end of that schadenfreude. The truth is that all of this, the cultural expectations, our fear of others judging us, and our own human pride are all barriers to us asking for help. Asking for help feels vulnerable. It involves admitting that we don't have it all together. And an underlying fear is that we will be rejected. That the one we ask for help from will say no. But James tells us that if we lack wisdom, then the first step is to ask. We need to adopt a humble posture, admit our need for wisdom, and ask. And who is it that we are to ask? In a world saturated with self-help books and podcasts and mantras and steps to take that all promise to help you become a better you, who do we look to for wisdom? James tells us that if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And who better to ask than God, the creator of life itself, who always was and always will be the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who created the universe and everything in it, the one who laid Earth's foundation and marked off their dimensions who gives orders to the morning and shows dawn its place, the one who is before all things and through whom all things hold together. While we see our small piece of the puzzle of life and humanity, God sees the entire big picture from every side and angle, from every time, past, present, and future. If God really is all of that, then who are we that God would even be mindful of us? And yet this great God delights in being known by his creation, in being present and active in this world and in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to know you and be known by you? That he's not a faraway and distant, unknowable God? but that he's right here, right now, above and below you, before and behind you. That if you've given your life to him, his very spirit lives inside of you. Maybe you're really not sure if you believe in this all-knowing, all-powerful God. And that's okay. God is bigger than our doubts and our uncertainties. And if you're willing to step out in faith and ask him, he will meet you there. In fact, he's been waiting for you to do exactly that. And maybe there are some here this morning who think, okay, Sabrina, but I mean, I'm not good enough for God to answer me. Maybe he'll talk to everyone else here and he'll talk to you because you're a good person. But I have not lived in such a way that would warrant the favor or attention of the God you just described. Well... What does James tell us here? Are there any prerequisites, any requirements that need to be fulfilled in order to gain God's wisdom? James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we are to ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Who does he give generously to? To all, <laughs> to everyone who turns to him and asks. And how does he answer us? Does he answer us begrudgingly or by first shaming us for the attempts we made before coming to him? No, James tells us that he gives generously to all without finding fault. So many of the stories that Jesus told and the interactions that he had with people highlight this point for us. Jesus didn't just go to the perfect people who, according to religious practice at the time, looked like they had it all together. He went to the ones who had been rejected and cast aside, the ones who knew they couldn't do it on their own and knew that they needed him. He told stories that showed God's heart for all people. Jesus described God as an old woman searching desperately for a coin she had lost, as a shepherd leaving his entire flock so he could find the one sheep who had wandered away as a father running in excitement to welcome his prodigal son home, clothing him in the best robes and throwing a grand party when his son finally returned. He tells us that when we knock, the door is opened, and when we seek, we find. Jesus, God God said to his people, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God's word for us is and always has been that when we call on him and come and pray to him, he hears us. When we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him and we'll discover that he's been waiting there for us this entire time. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So the question, again, is do you believe this? Do you believe that God is real and active and alive right here, right now? Do you believe that he wants to work in your life? That if you look to him, even now, if you ask him for help, he will answer you. Or have you been relying on your own wisdom, not really believing that God wants to be present in every part of your life, your marriage, your family, your finances, your work? Last week, Pastor Rob mentioned a phrase, practical atheism. I've also heard it called functional atheism, functioning in life as though there were no God. While it's likely that no one here this morning would consider themselves to be an atheist, declaring that there is no God, does your life, the everyday actions you take, and the way you live reflect your belief in the interactive living God in whom you've put your trust? Or do you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord with your mouth while living as though he doesn't exist, singing praise to God on Sundays, maybe even reading scripture every morning, Praying before meals, knowing in your heart, mind, and soul that God exists, but living the bulk of your day as though he were absent. Maybe you even say a quick prayer, God help me when you're in a tough spot, but then move forward without a second thought to God's thoughts on the situation you're facing. In his book, Let Your Life Speak, Parker Palmer writes this about functional atheism. He says, it's the belief that the ultimate responsibility for everything rests with us. This is the unconscious, unexamined conviction, something that we hold without actually recognizing it. That if anything decent is going to happen here, we are the ones who must make it happen. A conviction held even by people who talk a good game about God. This is the self-sufficiency that our world values so highly and has convinced us is necessary. If anything decent is going to happen here, I'm going to have to put on my thinking cap, roll up my sleeves, and make it happen. (laughs) Even now as I'm saying this, I'm sure there are many here who think, yeah, that's the way things get done. I admire the man or woman who does what it takes to make things happen. And as the daughter of immigrants brought up working hard on a farm, I know what it is to work hard. But this isn't about working hard or not working hard. It's about recognizing the presence of God in every moment and tuning our ears to hear his voice, seeing the situations, people, and world through his eyes, training our hearts to beat in time with his and gaining the wisdom that only God can give to us, not just for the big catastrophic things we go through or for the clearly spiritual parts of our lives, but gaining his wisdom in all things. God is alive and present in this world, constantly speaking to his children, to us. But all too often we miss him because we haven't learned to stop and recognize his presence and hear his voice. There really aren't any formulas or plans to follow in order to learn to hear God. He's not some magic genie that if you learn to rub his lamp in just the right way, he'll appear to grant you a wish. God is a living being who created you in his image to be in relationship with him. So you need to start by simply taking the time to get to know him, reading scripture and praying, but remembering that this isn't just an idea or a concept or a religious practice, a list of rules to follow, but a living God who wants to be with you and be known by you, who's waiting for you to humble yourself, turn to him and ask him for wisdom that he will generously give. This is one of the things that I've been really learning and recognizing in this past season of my life, that although God loves all of the things that I do in faithfulness to him, he also wants me to just take the time to come and be with him, to hear his voice and allow his words of truth and love and healing transform me. And like the Shulamite woman in Song of Songs, I will search for the one my heart loves, for God. And when I find him, I will hold on and I will not let go. So what does this look like? First, we have to recognize that God wants to speak to us and be present in life with us. We need to open scripture regularly, coming to God's word, the Bible, with an open heart, not thinking we're coming as using this as an academic book, but asking God to show you more of himself, to show you more of his heart, asking him to speak to you and change you. We do this by taking time to pray, to not just list off our wants, but to sit in silence, asking God to speak to us and teach us how to hear his voice, remembering that God wants to speak to us. (laughs) Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We do this by practicing the presence of God in the big moments of our day, but also in the small mundane moments. As you go through your day, work to develop an awareness of God's presence in every part, in every conversation and interaction. You have to say, God, show me where you are here. What are your thoughts on this? What do you want to say to me and to those I'm speaking to? How do you want me to respond? What is your will? A 17th century monk, Brother Lawrence, said, we need only to recognize God intimately present with us. We only have to just recognize that he's with us to address ourselves to him in every moment, that we might beg his assistance for knowing his will in things doubtful that we would ask for his wisdom when we don't know what to do, and for rightly performing those which we plainly see he requires of us, offering them to him before we do them and giving him thanks when we have done. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If this is something that you're looking for, If you think of your life and recognize, yeah, I don't have this all under control. I really do need God to help me. I need him to help me with my marriage, with my kids, with my job. I need help. Or maybe you feel like you're actually doing all right in life, but you recognize that you have been doing it on your own. And you're ready to give that over to God. Or maybe you've been tracking right along with me, thinking, yes, this is it. And you're already well down the path of seeking God and finding him, learning to hear his voice and follow it. Wherever you're at, I invite you right now, right here, to again take your life and give it to God. The truth is that we all need God's wisdom. We go through both the good and hard things in this life making 35,000 decisions a day that impact our lives, as well as the lives of those around us and the world that we live in. But we're not alone in this. God promises that he's present here with us. And when we learn to recognize his presence in every moment, offering every part of our lives to him as a sacrifice, we will gain his wisdom that changes everything. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, and I'm reading this from the message translation, he says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. learn to practice God's presence, and ask him for wisdom. Bow with me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of all things, that you were before all things and you always will be. And God, we thank you that you are not a God who's far away, but you're a God who delights in being present in this life with your children, with your creation. In fact, you so much want to be present with us that you actually entered into humanity as one of us to live and die and rise again so that we could be in right relationship with you. And so, God, I thank you that you are a God who loves to be with us. I pray that as your children, we would learn how to tune our ears to you, how to set our sights on the things that you see, that as we go through this life and experience both the beauty and brokenness of this fallen world, that we would hear your voice and be your people. God, I pray that for the very practical, everyday parts of our lives, of the relationships we have, the job we do, the homes we live in, the bank accounts that we steward in trust and that you've entrusted us with god we give all of that to you and you know the areas of brokenness in our lives and right now we just come and we say god give us your wisdom help us to learn how to how to live this life the way that you would have us live and so god you know the hearts of each one of my brothers and sisters here this morning you know where we're at with you and in this life and holy spirit i just ask that you would meet us here this morning. That we would be open to hearing from you and giving everything over to you again. That we would see you active and alive in every part of our lives. And God, I thank you that you are a faithful God that we can trust and that we know that you have good plans for us and that even when we go through the hard things, that you are with us. So God, I I thank you. I thank you for who you are, for the way that you love us name and I pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.